the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hey, welcome, ladies and gentlemen, or just welcome back. Hey, if you'd like to join me on the program Crosswalk with Gino Geraci, the number is 303-873-1935. Again, the number is 303-873-1935. We've got several new um, questions at gotquestions.org. Your questions, biblical answers that we've been working on and have written one is on a subject that I wanted to bring to your attention that you may or or may not be aware of, and it has to do with angels. And, of course, a couple of the, the passages are, or the answers to questions um, include um, an interesting question about earth angels. What is an earth angel? Now, There are some 273 times that angels are mentioned in 34 biblical books. And there are several different passages of Scripture we learn about about angels. We learn that they report directly to God. We the Bible says that they were present at the creation of the world. They announce the, the the birth of Jesus to the shepherds. They don't marry, according to Matthew twenty two thirty. They were created to live forever in Revelation four eight, and their purpose is to glorify God. We know that according to Hebrews chapter one verse fourteen, some angels help human beings, and according to Mark chapter five verses one through five, some harm human beings. And we discover that they're invisible and that they are spirit beings. So what is an earth angel? Now, again, if you want to join me on the program, it's 303-873-1935. The fact that humans are fascinated with angels may account for many false and fabricated beliefs concerning them. So according to one New Age teaching, this is not a biblical teaching, it's a New Age teaching, an occult teaching, if you will. Earth angels are a unique hybrid or evolved breed of angels that are born into a physical body. Now, according to this wrong belief, these incarnated celestial beings sometimes are called are sometimes called angelic humans. And they're believed to occupy both physical and spiritual dimensions. They may or may not yet know what they are, according to this false belief. So a related school of thought claims that earth angels, or what has been called homo angelus, are people who at some point in their lives have been awakened to divine truth about their nature and higher purpose. So according to this false teaching, earth angels serve as 
light workers on earth, spreading positivity, joy, healing, compassion, love, light to the world. And since earth angels have purportedly existed in a superior spiritual dimension beyond earth, they're said to be able to hear divine messages from deep within and act accordingly. Some say they intuitively know what others need because that they can feel their energy. Now, an earth angel's ultimate mission is to help more souls wake up to the spiritual evolution process, recognize their own cosmic identity, and join in the movement to enlighten all humanity. And once enough earth angels have realized who they are and filled the earth with sufficient light, love, peace, a golden age will dawn. All humanity will connect with the divine source or become one with the divine consciousness. Now, of course, all of this is false. The trouble with earth angel beliefs is none of it supported by the scripture. Now, some New Agers will cite Psalm 8.5 as a proof text for the existence of earth angels. Matter of fact, last week we had a caller cite this passage, um, Psalm 8.5, where it says, Yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. Another translation says, you have made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honor. However, based on the immediate preceding verse, it's clear that the psalmist King David is speaking about human beings. In Psalm 8.4, what is mankind that you are mindful of them? human beings that you care for them. So the Bible does say that all angels are ministering spirits in Hebrews chapter 1 verse 14, sent out to serve for the sake of those who will inherit salvation. And also Hebrews chapter 1 verse 7, of the angels, he says, he makes his angels winds and his ministers flames of fire. So angels are strictly spirit beings, meaning that they don't have a physical body. But sometimes the Bible, sometimes in the Bible, angels make their presence known to humans, appearing like human beings. In Genesis chapter 19, verses 1 through 8, they appear like men. In Daniel chapter 8, verse 16. In Daniel chapter 9, verse 21. In Mark chapter 16, verse 5. However, nowhere in the Bible is a unique, evolved class of earth angel ever mentioned. And so the primary purpose of angels is to care for God's people, according to Hebrews chapter 1, verse 14, where it says, are they not all ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who inherit salvation? So, again, they are created 
to glorify God. They are innumerable. They possess intelligence. They possess will. They display joy. They display desire. According to the Bible, they're stronger than human beings. They're, they're more intelligent than human beings. They're swifter than, than human beings. But they're not omnipresent. They're not omnipotent. They're not omniscient. Some are called cherubim, and some are called seraphim. And according to the Bible, it would appear that a minority rebelled against God, but the majority remained true to God, and that they'll join believers in the heavenly Jerusalem. So there's more. 303-873-1935. That's the number. If we want to, if you want to join me on the program, I know we have a call. We'll we'll take the call after we, the break. But the number is three zero three eight seven three nineteen thirty five. Another problematic aspect of Earth Angel teaching, this New Age teaching, is that it sweeps under the rug God's plan of salvation for humanity. Human beings are the object of God's salvation. The Bible isn't silent about or the Bible is silent about a divine and worldwide dawning of cosmic angelic human enlightenment. So, it's a false teaching. 303-873-1935. That's the program. I'll be right. Hey, welcome back. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Gino Geraci. So glad you could join me. On the program, 303-873-1935. Let's see who's up. Vic, welcome to the program. Yeah, hi, Gino. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, I can. So um, I I was hearing what you were saying about the false teaching about this this angel stuff. Earth angels, yeah. Yeah, earth angels. And it... And and correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounded similar to what people believe about the Nephilim and and these angels taking on um, this form and the sons of God who sex with the daughters of uh, of men and you know and 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 then you know this race or this beings came out and I mean it just sounded similar and then when you were talking about how angels have a specific assignment by God as ministering uh, messengers and things like that. It, it also um, clarified to me, like, it sounds like angels don't do things outside of what God allows them to do, like in the Old Testament Alphanes, where they showed up to deliver a message or whatever, but to take on this physical form or something like that, like you said, angels don't have their spirits. It sounds like the teaching that you just talked about sounds similar to the teaching that I've heard some of these Christians who, who believe that um, angels have taken, you know, their, their explanation of right. you I, and, I, and uh, Genesis. Right. I think there's a difference between the earth angel teaching and the Nephilim teaching. The, the first is the timing. So with earth angels, the idea in the new age is that human beings are born, but they're but they are they're born in such a way that they're not really human. They 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 are something other than human. 
And so in, in the Nephilim narrative, these are beings who exist prior to the flood. And prior to the flood, they're angelic beings who, for whatever reason, uh, are able to somehow um, take on a human-type form and interact with human beings. Now, again, as you can imagine, there's several different views of the Nephilim. One view is the one you talked about, that, or the one I just mentioned, that, that these, these uh, fallen angels um, take on a, 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 a sort of corporeal existence and have sex with human beings, creating an offspring that isn't exactly human and isn't exactly angelic. But to your point, they seem to, to share the same characteristic. Another view is that the Nephilim are the sons of Seth and, and, and the daughters of men are, are the, the, uh, the daughters of Cain, so to speak, that everyone involved is a human being. The problem with that view is that when these two groups meet, they produce offspring that doesn't appear to be human. And the other view is that that that, um, that these angelic beings, or dare I use the word demonic beings, actually inhabit them. In other words, they create them, and then they're possessed by them. So, th- so that's another view that they're that they're human beings who are possessed by angelic beings. So there there is a little bit of a difference between some of the views. But to your point, um, which ones are most likely to be um, not true? And and again, it's, it's hard to tell because there's no answer that makes sense to me that satisfies all of the stipulations in the passage. Yeah, okay. So, so yeah, I, I guess... That that first narrative, I, I I I guess I can I can jive with the possession or even the um, godly line versus an ungodly or whatever, but but the the first one that you talked about where there's an angelic um, corporeal being that you you know I guess I struggle with that one out of all of them. Just everybody to, struggles and, with it. Every- Everybody struggles with it because it's creepy. <laughs> Even the people who believe well, it struggle with it. <laughs> well, I'm I'm just saying I'm just saying just theologically it's it's I struggle in terms of with all the other things you mentioned. Like it it just seems like it gives a lot of room for a lot of things, man. Like angels well, can well, take on right. Or they I can mean, create. To, to to your point. To your point. No, yeah. To your point. It 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 has pretty horrible implications like well if they did it then what would keep them from doing it now yeah because like even uh, uh to your point about the nephilim didn't they exist after the flood well apparently they did exist after the flood and um uh, again they exist and they have qualities if you will that are, dare we use the term, superhuman. Now, we know that with the activities of fallen angels, they oppose God. They execute Satan's program. They disseminate false doctrine. But 
the fallen angels in in the, the demonic realm can af- af- affect and afflict you. So there's all kinds of interesting little implications of this. But to, uh, but to the whole earth angel thing, to the whole earth angel thing, the, this is a this is a new age construct that picks up to your point on some of the elements of Genesis chapter six. I think to try and make it more plausible to even their believers. So yeah, I don't I don't put them necessarily in the same category as as the Nephilim. Okay. Well, I, I just, you know, when I heard you talking about that, man, I was just like, whoa, man, I, I, I've heard some Christians talk about this kind of thing, man, and that. It's creepy. And I've, it's, always had a, I've always had a problem because I'm like, you know, either angels have the power of God to create or they're, they're still limited. Well, I don't think they have the, just only do. Well, I don't think they have the power to create. So, so I, 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 I want to make sure I understand what you're saying. Do angels have the power to procreate, to procreate? That means in the same as a human being. In other words, human beings have the ability to procreate. Well, wouldn't they, wouldn't they have to create a body in order to do that, though? Well, and the a way that I would, body. yeah, the way that I would answer that question is there seems to be good evidence that angelic beings have a physical body at some point for some reason with God's permission because the death angel is able to to interact with human beings and kill 166,000 Syrians the death angel during the exodus is able to kill people um the 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 angel who rescues Lot and his family from Sodom they're able to grab them by the hand and drag them out of the city um, they, they seem to have a body because you'll remember the, the, the occupants of Sodom uh, were interested in sexually assaulting the angel, uh, which seems to leave you with the impression that, that they can be sexually assaulted. And then um, Jesus in a pre-incarnate uh, appearance with Abraham shows up with two of his buddies who are angelic beings and and Sarah kills a, a calf, and and they they eat with Abraham. Right. So in those all those instances that you mentioned, is it possible or plausible or is it legitimate to say that in those specific cases, God just allowed angels for that specific purpose to to take on form to execute his 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 will in that yeah. case or whatever uh, that's but entirely only in those cases yeah that's entirely plausible and that's why again you know <laughs> there's so much discussion on this subject but vic as always hey. th- thanks for the call <laughs> hey thank you brother yep this is gino Dracy. thanks for joining me we'll take more calls when we come back 303-873-1935 that's the number if you want to join me on the program Hey, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls of all ages. The number 303-873-1935, 303-873-1935. Let's see who's up. Wendy, welcome to the program. Hi, Gino. How are you Hi, doing? Wendy. Good. I hope you've been staying warm. I have been sh- trying to stay warm. You know, 
I had a friend who was in North Dakota. He said it was uh, like something like 23 below zero. And then with oh. wind chill, it was like close to 40 oh below. And I, I'm thinking, can you imagine that you have to go 70 degrees just to get to freezing? My goodness. <laughs> yeah, I uh, heard about the, there were people in Oregon, I guess, 100,000 homes or something without power and yeah, Four people died, and it's awful. I was just like, oh, my gosh, I can't even imagine not having any power. That was in that kind of cold. But um, anyhow, my question was about Leviticus 16. Uh-huh. Um, Azazel, the scapegoat. Yeah. And But it's presented in a number of ways, and I wasn't sure if it meant if it was a name or um, – an entity or a place, because it said that um, one lot for the Lord and the other lot for Azazel. Right. And Azazel. the other lot fell for Azazel. <laughs> Azazel. Yeah. Azazel. That's and the scapegoat. Then, and then it says it may be sent into the wilderness to Azazel. Right. So is it a place? It's both a place and a condition. So the way that 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 it's being typified, um, you'll remember that in, in in Leviticus 16, God gives a series of instructions mm-hmm. on the Day of Atonement. The priest offers a sacrifice for his sins and then the sins of the household. Then he performs sacrifices for the nation. In verse 5, from the Israelite community, the high priest was instructed to take two male goats for a sin offering and a ram for a burnt offering in verse 5. And so the priest brings the animals before the Lord, casts lots between the two. Now, one is a ram and one is a goat. One is to be the sacrifice and one is to be the scapegoat, even though it's a ram, okay? So the first goat is slaughtered for the sins of the people, and the blood is used to cleanse the most holy place, the tent of meeting, mm-hmm. the altar in verse 20. And then after the cleansing, the live goat was brought to the high priest. He lays his hands on the scapegoat. The high priest is to confess over it the wickedness and rebellion of the Israelites, all their sins, and put it on the goat's head. He sends the goat into the wilderness in the care of someone who's appointed specifically for that task. And then the goat carries on itself all their sins to a remote place, and the man releases it into the wilderness. And so in this sense, symbolically, the scapegoat takes on the sins of the Israelites and removed them. And so this becomes a type of a foreshadowing. Uh, people like the Seventh-day Adventists like to think of the scapegoat as being Jesus himself. But Jesus is the complete atonement for the sin. And so um, so we're told in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14, he's also the lamb that was slain from the creation of the world as a sacrifice. And he's our scapegoat in what sense? Second Corinthians 5.21, God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So in a very real sense, in, in type, in, so, so there's a reality and there's a figure and a symbol. In reality, our sins are laid on Christ. He bears our sins 
just like the scapegoat bears the sins of the Israelites. Now, again, it's in type and picture because in in, in reality, one dies and, and one is is driven away. And so in that in the driving away, um, it, it becomes a type and a picture of Jesus being crucified outside of the, the city, being driven away. Um, so, so the ritual was supposed to, I think, be what the writer of Hebrews says. It, it, it becomes a type and a picture, a shadow. In Hebrews, it says the law is only a shadow of good things that are coming and, the re- and not the realities themselves. So Jesus becomes the kind of reality that both literally takes away our sins and then he's the sin bearer. And so it's driven into the wilderness. So there's a little side note about Azazel. It shows up in Jewish mythology. And so there's different versions of the Book of Enoch, and which is the Book of the Giants and other pseudepigraphal books. Mm-hmm. But in the story, Azazel was the name of one of the fallen angels who sinned in Genesis chapter 6. So, you know, I was talking to the earlier caller about, you know, the, the uh, Nephilim. Yeah. And as a curse on his sin, Azazel was forced to take on the form of a goat-like demon. Now, that myth isn't recorded in the Bible. But regardless, he he takes the name scapegoat, Azazel. Interesting. Yeah. So the Bible basically in combination emphasizes the sufficiency and the completeness both of the sacrifice of Jesus to remove our sin and then the sacrifice of Jesus to reconcile us to God. So it isn't just a punishment and a payment for crimes committed. It's also an act that removes our sin never to be remembered driven into the wilderness, gone forever. That's very, very interesting. Yeah. I I wasn't quite sure what that, I mean, it seemed to be a term for the scapegoat. But then when it said he was taken to Azazel, I was like, well, wait, is that a place? (laughs) I think it's both. In, In other words, it's the place of the scapegoat. Yeah. So that would that would represent him where he was taken way out in the wilderness. And so we use that even today as a figure of speech, Scapegoat. like like you know the officer who put his knee on George Floyd. So he 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 was charged with murder, or with homicide, or with manslaughter. I can't remember if he was found guilty of first degree, second degree. Uh, manslaughter but there there seems to be good evidence that George Floyd died from a fentanyl overdose that that the real collapse mm. was that the re, that the real death was fentanyl poisoning but he, the the officer Chauvin is the scapegoat he's the one who has Somebody to, had to be at fault yeah, he he is the one who is going to bear the sins of the police department and the nation. 
So that's where we get the term scapegoat in our own in our own culture. Yes, somebody has to pay. Somebody has to pay. And again, the scapegoat isn't necessarily guilty of anything. <laughs> no, he he came he he was eating his hay and they brought him over there and put all their sins on him and Right. Well, took one, him way out in the wilderness. And, re- and remember, with a with a toss of the dice, one will yeah. die and one will bear the sin. I wonder which would be worse. Well, Jesus typifies both. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. He bore the sins and died. <laughs> well, All thanks right, for you. your call and Happy New Year. I, I, Happy New Year, Gino. Thank you so much for all that you do. Stay warm. You too. Bye-bye. 303-873-1935. What an interesting... The Bible's full of interesting stuff, as you can tell. 303-873-1935. I'll be back. Hey, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks for joining me. The number is 303-873-1935, 303-873-1935. There's another interesting um, article at ChristianHeadlines.com by Milton Quintanilla, who's a contributor for um, ChristianHeadlines.com. And it's it's a fascinating article because the headline reads, more Christians use AI at work than non-Christians. This according to a Barna study. And so according to a new report released by the Barna Group, uh, professing people who self-identify as Christians are, according to the Barna Group, more likely to use artificial intelligence than, um, than non-Christians. And the report was posted... Um, Four ways United States adults are embracing artificial intelligence or not. And I'm trying to um, cite the source. It's found at Barna.com. Barna.com. It's dated January 10th. And, um, and it talks about that... Uh, that Barna was partnering with a group called GLOO, GLOW, to assess the growing question, skepticism, and excitement surrounding the technology, according to the article that's posted at Barna.com. And so the data was taken last summer, and it used... G- Glow, G-L-O-O, it's a technology platform that apparently is used by some 38,000 churches to, um, to assess the growing questions of skepticism and excitement surrounding the technology. So the survey featured 1,500 adults in the United States, and it found that 62% of Christian respondents say that they use technology often and then sometimes or not very much for their work, while only 49% of the non-Christians gave the same answer. So according to Barna, that means that by and large, the the self-described Christians were more likely to use it. What makes it even more interesting 
is it says, on on the other hand, 38% of Christians and 52% of non-Christians say they do not use AI at work. So, so that's the other part of it. In other words, almost 40% of Christians and 52% of non-Christians say they never use AI in their work. Now, that's interesting because despite the use of artificial intelligence and research, the study said, noted, it's not often seen as a means to find reliable advice or ask specific probing spiritual questions. So the article at ChristianHeadlines.com quotes the Christian Post. And at the Christian Post, it says, quote, U.S. adults don't see AI as a catch-all tool to be used for every kind of problem or need. Instead, they are most interested in using AI for answering questions. That's 37%. And research, that's 35%. And they're far less interested in using the technology for advice, 14%. Now, I found that really interesting that Christians said that they were less likely to use artificial intelligence for advice, even if it's giving advice, at least from its perspective, about the Bible. But I'll come back to that. I, I want to take your calls. 303-873-1935. Let's see who's up. Daniel, welcome to the program. Well, you doing, brother? I just have a quick uh, poem. I think I believe it's timely, but it's nothing about AI. But uh, okay, here I go, brother. Reverend Doctor Martin Luther King Jr. He had a dream. It all seemed to vanish. So it seems God gave you the torch and put it in your hands, you know, to preach colored blindness throughout the land. Pitter patter. Black lives matter. All lives matter. The womb. What causes the wind to blow? and bones to form in a woman's womb. God Almighty is pro-life. God Almighty is pro-life. God help America. God help America. 2024, revival's at the door. It's the only way. A new day is coming. And God deals with me about dreams, nothing flaky. But God gave me a dream about a billionaire. His name is David Green. I know you. I know you know who he is. Hobby Lobby. Sure, sure. And uh, he's going to rent the Mile High Stadium for like 16 nights, two nights to set up, two nights to uh, take down, and then 12 nights. God's given me 12 names. But I don't want to repeat them, and time permitting. And then Mile Stadium, 12 nights before 2024 election. And brother. This is your happy brother Italian. There's two types of us. Remember, God bless you. I love you, man. You hang in there, man. So no, no, no. Let me let me, let oh. me just make sure I understand what you just said. Okay. What you're saying is that who is going to rent? Are you mean the, okay, where, David, the, where David, the Broncos David, play? Yeah, in Vesco uh, Field. Uh, Power Field. In Power okay, Field. Or yeah, in Power Field. So now it's called in Power Field. So t- tell yeah. me who is going to use in Power Field? Uh, I believe it's going to house twelve nights, revival meetings, eighty thousand a night strong, 
prior to the 2024 presidential election. David Green is a billionaire. He's worth between $8 billion to $12 billion. He's, uh, he's like liquidating his assets. He's giving to all kinds of big causes in the Christian world and Christianity. And uh, I believe strongly, brother, I just, um, I believe strongly that God gives me dreams. I could go at length, but I don't want to, uh, I mean, it's like, I know you're testing the spirit right now. I mean, right. you've used that before. And uh, it's that, I know I just get, I get kind of nervous talking to you because, you know, you're like my big brother in the Lord. But uh, I just want, I just believe anything that's been on my heart my whole life as far as revival in the last, you know, several years. Interesting. Well, yeah. it's it, it's interesting to me because I think that revival is the only thing that's going to postpone judgment. Well, there you go, brother. I feel the spirit, brother. I would so, say that twice, brother. Yeah, so if I have to uh, choose between judgment and revival, to me, revival literally postpones judgment. And again, like the Ninevites and like others, this mm-hmm. is the day. This is a day of grace. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for letting me know. Well, brother, and I well, got a and I missed. Stuff. I missed. I missed. I missed uh, Martin Luther King Day yesterday. I wanted to talk a little bit more about his legacy, but thanks for bringing it up. Yeah. Yeah, brother. You know. You know. I love you. I got a little letter coming coming to you in the mail just a little thank you and taking care of me during covid and you know you're always got something you're just a wealth of knowledge and i listened to your show you know after well, after you dealt with in covid it was like you really helped me out and i really i'm like well, one number one of your number one fans believe it or not <laughs> well i'm i'm you know again the bible gives us a wonderful opportunity to encourage each other and strengthen each other for the task okay. at hand there you go, brother. You know, let's uh, we'll eat Italian someday. I no doubt we will. Hey, God bless you. Thanks for God. joining me. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.